Hello and welcome to Super Fancast. My name is Matt. This is season one, interlude two. Chris is currently on holiday, so it's just me. I've got to say it's weird doing this by myself. I'm talking to a microphone, to a computer, but Chris did it, so I, I, I better play my part. Um, and thanks, Chris, for doing a really interesting episode on British hip hop, which I didn't even know was a thing um, until then. The Euro of Mix episode is still on hold uh, because it's that time of year where everything gets really busy. You might be thinking, oh, this is going to be the, the most epic, super long, detailed, fun episode ever about the Euro of Mix. And it might be. Uh, <laughs> I hope it is. Um, but we were ready, ready to record. Um, last week, things happened, so uh, hopefully we'll get that to you as soon as we can. So before I start this episode's main topic, um, I want to talk about who I've been listening to lately, um, and it's it's a band uh, from France called Igor, I-G-O-R-R. Um, they are very strange, and uh, you might know that I like strange. They, they do a bit of polka, they do a bit of um, Baltic sounds, uh, heavy metal, uh, screaming, uh, techno. It's all a bit of a mishmash, and I absolutely love it. It's, it's wacky. So check them out on YouTube. They've got some really strange videos as well, um, including one with a weird meat blob man that's, that's flying through a city, uh, and the band playing in isolation it's, it looks like it's done during the pandemic but it was actually a few years ago uh, so they're all playing in their own bedrooms or or home studios uh the 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 female singer she's holding a little dog which is quite cute and the dog looks absolutely petrified so they're fun igor or igor if you if you're a fan of young frankenstein and you want to <laughs> think about that part and i've also been trying to get into Buckethead lately well actually I say trying to get into uh, I already am a huge fan of Buckethead but as you might have heard from previous episodes Buckethead is a prolific artist that has released a lot of music and I mean over a hundred albums and the ones on Spotify aren't even all of them some online that you can you can find uh, in physical form um, and yeah he's he's quite a character so a bit about him he wears a mask a bit like michael myers he's a very tall dude tall and lanky uh he wears a kfc bucket on his head hence the name and uh he he makes very strange fantastic noises from his guitar he's very versatile he also gives out lots of toys and sweets at his gigs which is nice he doesn't really talk he does a bit of robot dancing uh, and he's worked with lots of really cool people like Les Claypool, Serge from System of a Down. Yeah, he's he's just got so much music. So I've I've started trying to listen to him and uh, I like it. It's fun. It's really fun. Sometimes it goes a little bit out there with um, <laughs> one of his albums. It's is got a narrator talking about a giant guitarist stomping through the city like like a like a Godzilla kind of figure who's playing guitar and the the sounds are making buildings explode and he's like oh watch out everybody look how big his feet are oh you know so that's quite fun so Buckethead and Igor or Igor are there any other bands that you want us to check out 
any strange artists or people that are really good that you think need a bit more exposure let us know and we can give you our verdict maybe we'll hate it but um we'll try and be nice so some people have asked me are you and chris super fans of anybody and well with chris it's probably obvious if you've listened to the previous episodes i would say he's a super fan of my vitriol which is a rather obscure shoegaze band i don't even know what shoegaze is it just sounds it just makes me think of people staring at their shoes and just walking into walls yeah they're they're, (laughs) i don't know much about them but he absolutely loves them i would say i'm a super fan of prince a uh a small time superstar you might have heard of prince nelson rogers so let me think i've got a tattoo a prince tattoo on my arm I've got about 23, 24 of his albums on CD, a couple on vinyl. I've got a bunch of his pictures on my purple walls I'm looking at now. What else? Uh, I've seen him at the O2. That was quite an experience. When he did his 21 shows at the O2, I saw him on the 21st. And the tickets cost £31.21. And that's a reference to one of his albums, which is called 3121. It's a nice little fact that I like to put in there because people just expect me to say, oh, it was about a grander ticket. And it was really good. We went in, we were all given his latest album at the time. Oh, nice. And all given purple glow sticks. And then when the lights all went off, we all snapped them. And it was like a huge sky full of purple stars and yeah it was magic really good there's uh, a few reasons why i'm a little bit obsessed with him uh, but i think that most people don't understand how talented he was not that i i understand necessarily but he played all his instruments on a lot of his albums he arranged all his music he wrote his lyrics he produced he did the same for other artists he was making too much music that his label, you know, were getting frustrated and they wanted to control him um, and say, just slow down. But he just kept pouring out more and more amazing material. And I'm not going to say he's like, he's like this perfect figure of um, amazing ideas. Um, sometimes he was a bit wacky. Some of his music wasn't that great. But I love that he was consistently giving music out to the world and um, breaking uh, expectations, trying out different things. Such a good showman as well. You know, you you can't take your eyes off him when he's playing. Um, Just watch any video of him on YouTube. Check out the Super Bowl performance that he did, the halftime show. Fantastic. So I hope this will be a little bit of an introduction to those of you who don't know much about him. And I'll give you a bit of a test for those who do like to know things about him. I'm going to give five questions. They're probably not going to be as good as Chris's because he's much better at questions than I am. Um, A little too good, I think. I hope I share something new with you. I'll also give you um, my selections for probably the essential Prince listening. did make a lot of music as i've said 
but there's particular albums that are really great and uh, classics I think everybody needs to listen to. So just to warn you, I'm not following a script or anything. I'm just going with the flow and sharing my love of Prince with you. So if I go onto any tangents, then sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> okay, so here's question one. Oh, no pressure. In the album Around the World in a Day, there's a song called Pop Life. And in the middle of the song, there's a recording of... Uh, a crowd shouting and jeering. Do you know where that came from? What is that recording of? Any ideas? It's a bit obscure. Okay, so this was the crowd from when Prince supported the Rolling Stones in 1979. Yeah, he supported the Rolling Stones, which is mad because they're, they're so different. They're, they're very, it's a strange choice. And especially because of what I'm about to tell you, Prince loved to wear very strange, interesting combinations of clothes. Um, he liked to mess with people's expectations of gender. And so with this tour, he wore a trench coat and black bikini briefs. So the people in the crowd were not happy and they gave out homophobic slurs and they threw... Um, bottles of beer and uh, water bottles at his head they were shouting and, and in the recording of the of the song Pop Life you can hear them saying throw the bum out and uh, then there's the stories of people actually going to these gigs with things especially to throw at Prince I, d I don't understand people that have that mentality anyway so Prince liked to shock with his clothes especially in his early years uh, in 1981, he performed on Saturday Night Live in the States, uh, wearing tight underpants and a cape and nothing else. Uh, that caused a little bit of a commotion. He would like to wear high-heeled boots, and he'd say, oh, it's because the ladies love it. Some people would say it's because he was very, he was quite short in stature. Maybe that is the case. Um, but he would like to, to show them off. He also wasn't afraid to uh, explore a feminine side in some of his songs. So he would uh, take on uh, like a female role as the narrator. Uh, he had a female persona called Camille, which he originally planned as a concept album. So it would have altered voice, high-pitched voice, singing as a woman. The label didn't like the idea, so he took some of those ideas and stuck it into the album Sign of the Times. Uh, you can hear that on the song "If I Was Your Girlfriend." Obviously, the the the, the lyrics, you can you can understand that he's he's coming from a woman's perspective. He wasn't afraid to do this sort of thing. He liked to be shocking. Uh, and one of his albums is called "Controversy," where there are songs about this very issue of just being controversial, having a career which is shocking people, making people talk about his sexuality, about about race, uh, challenging people's ideas. Speaking of shocking people, which album's cover was censored in many shops covered with a black rapper? You might have seen it in music shops. It's, uh, it's a pretty striking image. 
yeah, so the album is Love Sexy. If you have a look at the album cover, you'll see there is Prince looking very naked, sitting in a flower. And there's parts of the flower that are coming out around his groin area that looks a bit suggestive. And uh, yeah, so some shops were like, no, we're not going to have that out in the open. We're going to put a black cover on it. Uh, it's, It's ironic because it's probably Prince's least sexually graphic album. Uh, In almost all his albums, especially his earlier ones, he's always got one or two songs that are particularly pushing the boat out. You know, you wouldn't let your gran listen to it. Let's let's put it that way. It's a bit of a strange cover, actually, because he's very very white and um, he's almost glowing. And uh, he's coming out of this flower, and I think he looks a bit like an alien coming out of a pod. Like like a like a cloning pod or or his little spaceship, and um, I don't think that's his intention though. I'm sure he's trying to be extra, extra beautiful, trying to be like um, Venus coming out of the uh, coming out of the ocean. That famous picture out of the sh- out of the, the oyster shell. I don't know. I'm not an, I'm not an art expert. Yeah, he would push the boat out with the sexual imagery and the general sexiness of himself. Um, that was a big part of his image and a big theme of a lot of his music. Uh, in the album Dirty Mind, you can probably imagine that it's got some dirty things going on. Uh, he's got a song that references uh, oral sex. He's got a song that's about incest, which certainly offended Rick James, who who Prince was supporting at the time. James was like, yeah, this is weird. You can't take this music seriously. Uh, you know, he's got a song about fancying his sister. I mean, what what the hell? And again, he was trying to stretch what was acceptable. And also a significant part of his career uh, was the song Darling Nikki from Purple Rain album. This was the song that led to the creation of the parental advisory sexually explicit lyrics sticker. I think it's Al Gore's wife. She was making a big, big thing out of it. That's where it came from. And to be fair, it's not exactly the most innocent of songs. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was a huge album as well. It was it was massive, platinum album. He's got songs about having a bisexual threesome. He's got different sexual positions. But then later on in his life, and his career, he became a Jehovah's Witness. So he dropped a lot of that sexy stuff. Uh, a bit of a weird fact. The, the guy who led him to the Jehovah's Witness faith was Larry Graham, the bass player from Sly and the Family Stone, who invented slap bass, I think. I think he was. You know, he's got this huge thumb and he's got this great voice and he's like, yeah, boom, 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 boom. He's a great guy. But yeah, he's he's the one responsible for that. And I just think, you know, if imagine if Prince and Larry Graham came to your door, <laughs> knocked on your door and said, hi, we'd like to talk to you about uh, about the Bible. You'd just be like, yeah, come on in, guys. Just spend just spend hours talking to me, please. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Here's a guitar. <laughs> That's my own weird little fantasy, anyway, um, of getting converted by Prince and Larry Graham. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's um, that's a bit about 
Prince's sexiness. I mean, you don't really need me to tell you much about it. You just got to watch pretty much any video of Prince. Um, just see what he's up to. You know, he's <laughs> he knows that he's he's attractive, and he's flouting it. So good on him. Okay, question three, uh, and this is a kind of a two-parter, so you could get half a point for this, or get a full point for this, or however you want. I'm not really going to be uh, spying on you and keeping score, so <laughs> do whatever you want with this. Prince made the film Purple Rain, obviously, um, but he also wrote and made the music for two other films, which were the basis of two albums. So what were those films? You might be thinking Batman, but no, he didn't write that. He didn't write Batman. The answers are Under the Cherry Moon, and the album for that was Parade, and the sequel of Purple Rain, which was called Graffiti Bridge. Graffiti Bridge is a bit of a strange album, especially that it's the sequel of one of the greatest albums of all time. It's made up of songs that he'd been writing and collecting along a few years, and he just bung them together, and they, they don't really fit well together at all. There's some decent songs there. He's got some music with George Clifton in there, which is quite fun. Uh, there's a lot of electronica, a lot of world sounds, but it's, it's weird. It's really strange. It's not essential. Parade, on the other hand, is a really good album. Uh, it's got a black and white picture of Prince on the front, Really nice, really good album. It's got some good hits on there. The film Under the Cherry Moon was an absolute bomb. There's nothing nice to say about it that you'll find on there, although it's quite beautiful. It's all in black and white, and it's uh, the first film for Kristen Scott Thomas, who was 25 at the time. She's the, the love interest, and it's all very old-fashioned sort of Hollywood glitz. Not really worth watching. I haven't actually seen Purple Rain, so you might think, oh man, you're not a super fan after all. Although I have listened to the album so many times, it's it's broken a few occasions. But I haven't seen the film, but I know what it's about, roughly. It's semi-autobiographical, and the year or so leading up to it, Prince was carrying a book around and taking notes for the script. A lot of it is based on his life in some way or another. And there's there's a rivalry going on with him and another band called The Time. And The Time, as a tangent, well, they have some albums out, actually, as a band. But they are, in reality, it's, it's Prince playing all the instruments with Morris Day as the vocalist. And it's really good funk music. Lovely. Great stuff. But yeah, they're the baddies in this film. And also in Graffiti Bridge. They come back as the rivals. Yeah, there's this whole story arc going on. But it's it goes off on a weird journey in Graffiti Bridge. So from what I've heard, just watch Purple Rain. Even just for the music. I mean, it, it won an Oscar for the best soundtrack. It won a Grammy Award for best original score. I think also it did get a Razzie or some nominations from the Razzies. <laughs> be nice if it was a, Raz, a Raspberry Beret award. No, nah, never mind. That's just my that's just my brain overthinking things. Those were the movies. Batman, well, was Tim Burton in, I think it was 1989. Classic superhero film. So Burton was a huge, he probably still is, a huge fan of Prince and asked Prince to do the score for this film. And Prince was like, oh yeah, this is great. So he went to his Paisley Park studio and wrote and recorded, I think it was about 
15, 16 tracks for this film without knowing much about it. And Tim Burton was like, whoa, that's a lot. We only need a few, four or five. So that's what they put in the film. Uh, you can see Jack Nicholson's Joker dancing around to Prince. And it's cool. It's really fun. It's super campy. There's a track called Bat Dance, which goes over the credits. And that was a number one for Prince. It's, it's quite a long track full of samples of Jack Nicholson cackling his head off. And it's got great dancing in the video. But the, the Batman album that you can buy... It's got the bat symbol on the front. It's got nine tracks, and yeah, they're, they're pretty fun. There's some good tracks in there. There's some weaker tracks, sampled bits of the film in there. It's a bit of a strange experience listening to it, but there's some good stuff in there. I just think, imagine if uh, Christopher Nolan did the same sort of thing with his Batman films. Like, imagine if he was bringing out the the Dark Knight. Was it the Dark Knight? And, and he asked, I don't know, Rick James or James Brown to do the music for it like it would just it would just be totally different i would watch that though i hope they do i hope they, <laughs> i hope they do some kind of funk version of the dark knight <laughs> yeah anyway moving on from that <laughs> right then next question so michael jackson wrote a song hoping it to be a duet with prince do you know what song that was what song by Michael Jackson could possibly work as a Prince duet? If you said the Earth song, then you're wrong. Of course, it's not the Earth song. Uh, it was bad. Yeah, who's bad? Do, 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 do. This is strange because this wasn't even planned by the studio, I don't think. I think this was Michael's idea. He really wanted to do a duet with Prince. Um, but Prince saw the lyrics and he was like, nah, we're not doing that. Uh, especially the line, your butt is mine, your butt is mine. And Prince was like, you're not singing that to me. So so he said no. It would have been weird though, because I think Michael Jackson, uh, he had this persona of being very innocent. Uh, say what you want about that. But, you know, he was very pure and uh, sweet and innocent. And Prince obviously was the exact opposite. So it would have been odd seeing them in the same video together. They do dance in a lot of similar ways. I wouldn't say they that they copy each other. Yeah, they they are they're both great dancers, great singers. Prince did actually do some duets and some work with a few other artists. Uh, for example, he did a duet with Madonna called "Love Song." It's not very famous. He did a duet with Stevie Wonder. I think it's called "What the Fuss." I think he plays guitar on that and backing vocals. He did a lot of work with Sheena Easton. You might have heard her on this on the track "You've Got the Look," and she's also on some some of the Batman album. He wrote a song for the Bangles, "Manic Monday," which sounds so much like Prince. Funnily enough, uh, it got to number two in the charts, and what was number one? "Kiss" by Prince. Yeah, so the rumor has it that he wrote it for Susanna Hoffs from the Bangles to try and get her to sleep with him. I don't know if it worked, but it's a classic song. He also did music for um, a girl band called Vanity Six. You might have heard the song Nasty Girl. That's them. Uh, he produced them and he wrote their songs. He played on their music. Yeah, very interesting. Again, it's it sounds very Prince. It's very raunchy. Also, yeah, Sinead O'Connor did a cover of Nothing Compares to You. Prince didn't write it for her. She did a cover because she liked the song and she dedicated it to her mum. But Prince didn't like the fact that she covered it. He didn't like 
how she used a lot of swear words and her general rock persona he didn't like it so they there's stories about them having fights in his house soon after her version came out he started to play the song a lot more in his live sets and i think his version is superior but obviously hers is pretty magic tom jones covered kiss uh cindy lauper covered when you were mine shaka khan did i feel for you feel i feel for you such a great song both versions are great okay so here's the last question during the mid-90s, what did Prince famously and often have written on his face during performances, in his videos, in some of his interviews? What word was it? If you said slave, then you'd be right. Yeah, he had slave written on his face. Yeah, so this is related to the whole debacle about him being the, the artist formerly known as Prince so he was saying he's a slave to Warner Brothers music Warner music uh, who was his label at the time the story is he was making so much music uh, that he wanted to release album after album after album even before a tour was put out there for the first album so he would finish recording he's like right i want to do another album now and they're like no wait a second no no we want to spend money on promoting your music and he's like yeah but i want to record i want to i want to keep making more music uh so they were limiting him with how much he could do in that regard so he kept putting it away in his vault it's like a legendary mystical thing in in the mythology of music is his vault in paisley park literally hundreds and hundreds of tracks which have been gradually released you know, he didn't want to be told what to do. So what he did was say, right, the name Prince is on the contract. So I'm just going to not have a name anymore. And I'm going to do music under a symbol instead. It's his symbol, a mixture of the, the two gender symbols, if that makes sense. It's like a circle with an arrow. And yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. Very sexual. That was his name. He said, Prince is dead. I'm now this an unpronounceable symbol. Obviously the label was not happy and uh, he was releasing music like mad. And in his concerts, he wasn't playing Prince music anymore. He was now playing his new music, releasing it how he wanted. He was releasing music at the concerts, giving out CDs, which was obviously the label wouldn't like that. And he kept doing that even to, to the end of his life. Um, in 1996, his contract finished, and then he released the album Emancipation, which makes sense, and and it was a triple album, so it was a lot of music that he wanted to release before, but he couldn't. He's also released a five-CD album called Crystal Ball, uh, which is more music from the vault. As soon as he said, Prince is dead. The label started to put together a Greatest Hits album, which he didn't like. You know, some artists are a bit funny about Greatest Hits albums, especially when you're still going. But that's what they did, and he didn't like it at all. And there's this constant mishmash of the two together. Uh, him trying to do his own thing, and then he's also releasing albums under the name Prince. But they're not very good albums, and you kind of get the sense that that was his intention to release albums that were lackluster and written, put his passion into his new persona and his new project. And he also had his own record label 
the NPG records, which is, stands for New Power Generation. So he, he basically could do what he wanted, but without, <laughs> without a pronounceable name. So yeah, it's an interesting way of doing business. But yeah, it got a lot of people talking. Yeah, he became very strange in the public eye during this time. There is a BBC interview with him where he's he's got a, a red scarf wrapped around his head <laughs> and he's sitting next to his wife, mate, and the interviewer's talking to him and he's sharing the answers with his wife and then she's really relaying it to to the interviewer so it it just looks bizarre it's, it's absolutely strange he just wanted to mess around with people i think he did a lot of videos where his face was totally covered he made some excellent music i think some of his best music is under that unpronounceable symbol you might have heard that song the most beautiful girl in the world you won't find it on any prince greatest hits album because it's technically not prince it's the artist formerly known as prince but if you can, get the album that that's from, which is The Gold Experience. So there we have it. So how many did you get? Did you get all five? Did I get anything wrong? If I did, please let me know. I will admit it in the next episode. Tell us how you did. Prince is an interesting character and he's got so much to get into. I thought I'd just quickly look through his back catalogue and recommend you what I think is essential stuff. So I think his self-titled album, which is his second album, it's just got a picture of him on the front, bare-chested, big puffy hair. So it's all him on there. All, he's playing all the instruments and it sounds so tight. Funky songs on there. I would say the album Controversy. He, he tackles all kinds of issues on that album and it's really funky. The album 1999 is one of his best. The tracks do get really long at times, but it, it does feel like an epic album. And then following that, obviously, is Purple Rain. Obviously, you you got to hear that. It's, it's fantastic. Every song feels like it's it's ready for like a stadium tour. You know, that, that's what cascaded him up into the stratosphere, as they say. Essential listing is also Sign of the Times, which is a double album. I think every song on that is perfect. And, and it covers a whole wide range of styles and subjects. He has his, his feminine voice coming out. He's got really long party songs. He does a bit of gospel, a bit of folk. Yeah, it's fantastic. Really good. I think Diamonds and Pearls is pretty cool. It is a bit controversial to some because that's when he got into hip-hop sounds in quite an obvious way. And it's very slick. It's very commercial, but there's there's so much going on in the album. It doesn't feel like he's just cutting and pasting music. You know, there's there's lots of little details happening. There's lots of little guitar licks that he's putting in. Really good. There's some good anthems on there. The Gold Experience is really good. That's when he was uh, unpronounceable symbol. So we'll just call it like bloop 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 or whatever. And then after that, he he was bringing out so much music and he covers a more varied style so he he does some instrumental music he does jazz it's not as good i don't think but it's you know it's interesting to see where he went when he wasn't limited by another label musicology is really fun album another album that's interesting to check out is third eye girl and this was his his time with um 
three ladies, uh, and he was he's playing he's playing rhythm guitar and he's also singing on some of the tracks, but a lot of the tracks are them singing. He's he's just a supporting member. He's definitely trying to push uh, this idea that you know women can fill in whatever roles they want in in music. Uh, and they sound really good. And his last album that he released before he died was Hit and Run Volume 2. And what I love about that album is the horn section. He's got a huge horn ensemble, and I think he arranged the, the horns, but they sound beefy. You know, they're definitely not MIDI samples. These are real horns. Really good. It sounds like a big parade in the street. Good album. Um, but a lot of his a lot of his music is is worth listening to. You know what? I'd also say Around the World in a Day is essential as well. That was the album that followed Purple Rain. So it had huge shoes to fill. And he, he took it in a completely different direction. It's very experimental. It's very strange. He's clearly not trying to do another Purple Rain. Uh, and again, all the songs on it are fantastic. Uh, he's got some extra long ones at the end that, that are epic pieces of music. He's got some little funky tunes. Really good. Um, so yeah, that's that's Prince in a nutshell. And it really is a nutshell because there is so much you can talk about this guy. And I'm gutted that he's gone. I'm really gutted. Still. Let's, let's just do his music and let, it, let him live on through that. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Please check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Superfancast. We are on Twitter, Superfancast1. There's some interesting facts on there. Chris is really good at finding some obscure facts. If you know any interesting music trivia, then please send it to us and we can share it on the on the show. If there's any artists that you want us to cover, then please let us know. Please send us feedback. We love to hear from you, even if it's just little you know little snarky comments <laughs> we just like to hear what you think absolutely so thank you hopefully this year mix episode will come out otherwise it will be something of a surprise to me so we'll see i hope you're all having a lovely summer and um stay safe love to you all bye bye